You're listening to. And welcome to another episode of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here today to talk about our May 2021 book club pick, The Silence of Bones by June Her. Rira. Uh, yes. We're, we're already in week two of June, so I can't say congratulations on finishing Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. Um, we're coming at you a little bit late because um, APAM was a... I mean, it killed us. It not, really yeah. killed us. <laughs> and we needed a little extra time to get this recording. Together. Also, we've been doing a lot of author interviews. Like We have a ton of author interviews in the pipe. And yeah, you guys so... haven't listened to them yet because uh, Marvin <laughs> is in the middle of scheduling them. But uh, yeah, like for the past like couple weeks, it's been like three or four books that we've been reading <laughs> and it's like when do i have time to to read our actual uh uh book club pick but thankfully yeah. we managed to find a time uh that works for both of us for recording this episode so yeah it's Yay. been a lot of fun it's it's interesting when people say and i don't know if the publicists are just like blowing smoke up our butts or not but when they say that the authors are actually excited to be talking to us Real, I, I still I'm in denial that they kn- they know who we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless they follow us on Twitter, then it's like, oh yeah, like <laughs> we we have like a prior relationship because of the internet. But uh, we're 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 mutes, right? Or moots? Y- yeah, moots. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, look forward to a bunch of really great author interviews in the coming weeks. But yeah, let's get to it. Rira, why don't you um, read us into our May 2021 book club pick. Oh, before we get started, just a standard spoiler warning. We're going to be talking all about The Silence of Bones, um, and it is a mystery novel, so we will be spoiling the mystery. So if you are sensitive about that, um, please read the book first and then come back and listen to our discussion. That's what you should be doing anyways, but some people are just deviants, you know? Yeah, some people are, you know, chaotic evil not in, to in judge, yeah, not reading. to judge their their tolerance for spoilers, but putting it out there. I know there are some people who actually do listen to us before reading the book, which yeah, you know, they they want to yeah. know if the book is good, and then yeah. they go and read it. Um, but I would also like to put out the trigger warning that uh, there is some torture in this book. So if you are a little bit squeamish, um, I mean, it's not super graphic, but go in uh, with you know expectations of of torture. Yeah. Pros and a um, ton of Confucian misogyny. Oh so. God, we're gonna talk a <laughs> lot about that because I have a lot of thoughts about it. But um, going into the description, eighteen hundred Joseon, Korea, homesick and orphaned sixteen-year-old Seol is living out the ancient curse. May you live in interesting times. Indentured to the police borough, she's been tasked with assisting a well-respected young inspector with the investigation into the politically charged murder of a noblewoman. As they delve deeper into the dead woman's secrets, Sol forms an unlikely bond of friendship with the inspector. But her loyalty is tested when he becomes the prime suspect, and Sol may be the only one capable of discovering what truly happened on the night of the murder. I will say before we get started, um, I'm going to do my best with the Korean pronunciations. I am, I do not have a native tongue like Rira does, so uh, uh, I apologize in advance. It's Rira, totally for... <laughs> fine because like um, the thing, I don't know if you have the same trouble, Marvin, but uh, when you use like the correct pronunciation with like an English sentence, sometimes your tongue kind of does like gymnastics, and it's very hard to be consistent with the pronunciation because the yeah. cadence is different and it, it's also just um it's just proof of how globalization and colonization has like screwed with our minds i know when i meet someone whose last name is liu that their name is actually Liu, but i still say Liu because it's easier in my mind and and it's just where we're we are living in interesting times like um i was just thinking about this uh, in terms of the legacy of colonization and how it like messed the world up and like we're all just dealing with the repercussions and figuring out how to how to best move forward right 
Yeah, yeah. Before we were recording, we were talking about romanization. I was complaining <laughs> to Marvin saying romanization makes absolutely no sense when it comes to uh, phonetically spelling Korean into English because English is messed up and the pronunciation guide is it's just ridiculous. Like half the time I'm like, is this Yun or is this Yun when it's spelled like <laughs> Y-U-N? And Romanization is just not consistent with with its guides. So there were definitely moments when I was reading this book and I'm like, is it is it pronounced this way or that way? I like I need to like actually look at the Hangul to like know what it says. And <laughs> thankfully, uh, June Her put a pronunciation guide at the end of the book with the Hangul. So I was like, oh, okay. It's Officer Kyun and not Kyun. Uh <laughs> yeah. so. Yeah, for the people out there who are not Korean and don't know the struggles of romanization and how hard it is to to read it as as a <laughs> Korean person. Now you know. That was my little rant right there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um I guess to get started, what are your initial thoughts of uh The Science of Bones? Um So, I was looking at our Goodreads forums and there were a couple of people who uh were dissatisfied uh, with some of the um, ending parts. I'm guessing they were dissatisfied with Act 3, so I kind of went into it with a bit of caution. Um, but I reached the en- end, and I was just like, this is fine. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why people were so upset, and we'll get to the third act later. But yeah. uh, I went in thinking, like, okay, this is about a Tamil and... I know what a Tamil is. It's a tea servant who is indentured to the police bureau. And uh, because of Confucian society, they are tasked with handling all of the women victims, corpses, suspects. um, And they are treated poorly because they are indentured servants, pretty much slaves. And uh, women in Confucian society have like the lowest status, even among like noble women. So I was like, okay, main character is 16. She's probably not gonna have the greatest life <laughs> as a as a Tamo. So I was like expecting a lot of misogyny. And sure enough, there was a lot of misogyny and <laughs> Confucian bullshit. And um I was just like, okay, this is a historical mystery novel. So it's not gonna be so much about the mystery it's going to be mostly the star of the book is going to be the setting and like the historical context of the story yeah well yeah i think what it seems like tripped some people up was the fact that we i don't know if we sold it as a mystery book or if the book itself sold itself as a mystery novel but you know there's different there are different types of detective fiction right the eccentric detective who comes and like breaks the case open that's one type and that's about the mystery like figuring out what's happened like usually some like elaborate plan um, but the science of bones reads more like a noir detective story, which is about crimes that are, you know, not like the elaborate plans of someone like ten years in the making, but something that's like done in the moment and is more of a reflection on society as at the moment than like a villainous mastermind. And I think the science of bones isn't less about the murder itself, but more about like the society and the current place and time that made this murder possible. And exploring that through the characters, because the main things that kill this person is the Confucian society that they live in, which is the misogyny, and the fact that they're in the middle of a purge of Catholics in the Joseon dynasty. And these two things together created the environment for this murder to happen. Yeah, yeah. And also just um, not just misogyny, but also um blood purity that's like also a really big deal and it's still a big deal in modern korean society and asian asian society (laughs) alleged illegitimate children uh adopted children they're kind of seen as lesser um and there is a lot of like favoritism to uh to pure blood relatives and that is like a that is another motive um that the killer has and yeah like it's not an elaborate murder. I wouldn't say that this book is a thriller. Uh, it, w- it would be, accurately put, a historical novel with a murder in it. 
Yeah, um, like historical yeah, but noir. It is, it, like, is, it is still technically noir. It is still a mystery novel. Yeah. And I think it does a good job like deconstructing that because noir fiction usually involves like an everyman detective who's like outside of the system, beaten down. And in some ways, Soul, the, the main character, is someone who is outside the system, right? She is someone who isn't. She works for the government, but she isn't part of the government because she is an indentured servant. And she is there with her own agenda, too. Yeah, and even among the indentured servants, she is an anomaly because uh, most of the Tamus at that time, uh, they were failed palace nurses. So um, a lot of the nurses that worked in the palace, they're also from lower class, but they were extremely educated. They had to take the medical exam like almost every year. And for those who didn't make the cut, they had to uh, work as Tamos for the police <laughs> and, you know, study for the next medical exam and hope that they pass. Uh, so Sol is not, she's not literate. She is very young. She's 16 years old and she is not training to become a nurse. And there is a naivety to her that, uh, all of the other characters do not have. So she she is very much an outsider, uh, which I really liked. I think that really, I, I think June did a really good job developing um, Sol's character and as well as her journey and how she changes in her relationship with the inspector as well as the other characters. Yeah, I think um, I've read a couple comments about how her motivations are all really chaotic towards like the middle to end the book. But at the same time, she is a 16 year old girl. So I was kind of okay with her erratic nature because there's a lot of stuff that happens, revelations that like would confuse. Yeah. There's a lot of things. Yeah. There's a lot of life changing (laughs) uh, secrets that get dropped and it's like, okay, well, you know, when you're 16 years old, you're living in a society where you're at the very bottom of the hierarchy and people are treating you like dirt all the time. And you are wrestling with your identity. It's it's a lot to handle. So I wasn't too concerned about like the chaotic, messy nature of, uh, I guess, like of her coming to know the truth and dealing with it. Yeah. Um, so she is put under the, um, not tutelage, more like she is assigned to um, the ace detective of the police bureau, um, Inspector Han, who I wonder if that naming was like, I mean, it's subtle, but not subtle, right? That his name is Han. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, Han is a pretty common surname. But I feel like his character, too, is like the embodiment of Han, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, so they are sent to investigate this murder of a of a noblewoman uh, who was found in a it was a back alley uh, with her nose cut off. Yeah. And from there on, um, both the detective, both the inspector and Sol um, become obsessed with this case. Right. Uh, I think detect, detect, the detective becomes obsessed for his own personal reasons and his whole own personal grudges that we find out about later. But so she gets obsessed because she finds something that she's good at, right? And I think that's like kind of her defining trait is she's looking for meaning in her life, right? She wants to find something that she is good at. I think she's looking for a place to belong, you know, and that means validation. And uh, Inspector Han is the very first person who says, hey, you're capable. And, um, you know, I've noticed your curiosity and your detective skills, like, you know, you belong at my side. There is like a lot of, um, you know, validation and praise that Sol is getting from Inspector Han. And therefore she is like, okay, I'm I'm obsessed with this case too. <laughs> but also her obsession with the case uh, comes from like her natural curiosity. And of course, this is Confucian society. So they say women should not be curious. Women should just keep their mouth shut and just listen to their betters. And of course, you know, she is not doing that. So she ends up in a lot of trouble. Yeah, she's uh, she's definitely a, a woman ahead of her time in this time period. And I just, yeah. there. June does a really good job describing like the oppression of women during in a Confucian society 
Um, it's something that still happens to this day. I mean, there's um, China, East Asia is still very much governed by like Confucian gender standards, right? It's it's getting better, oh, yeah. but it's not there yet. And there's still a lot of like that ingrained, like the place of women. Because um, I mean, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast, actually, I'm not sure if people understand what we, it we have means no to idea be, like, who you guys are. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Confucian um, teachings gave China and then China through imperialism, the rest of East Asia, like things like civil service exams, like the the idea that uh, anyone can become can raise their station by studying and doing well in exams, which is, I think, part of why a lot of Asians value education above all else, because that's, that was a way to raise yourself above your station. That's not taking into account all the privileges that allow people to, to do well in tests, right? Like environment, access to education and resources. Um, but, you know, that's something that Confucian teachings gave us. But Confucian teachings also established very strict gender roles between men and women and the place that men and women play in society. And that has like haunted a lot of East Asian society for centuries now. Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely very much ingrained today. And the scary thing is, you don't notice it until <laughs> until you leave Asia and uh, you kind of have context for what the fuck, like, <laughs> like this is not okay. Um, same thing with um, the age hierarchy, right? Like anybody mm. who is older than you, anybody who has been uh, in the same career field as you, you know, you have to respect them no matter what, even if they are douchebags like Officer Kyun. Uh, <laughs> he he is so bad at his job, but, uh, you know, because of Sol's position in, in the bureau, like she just kind of has to take it and it really sucks. <laughs> what did you think about the setting? I mean, are you familiar with Chosong, um Korea, especially like this uh, era of it? I mean, not really. My my Korean history is like very spotty. Um, but like I have watched some historical dramas. It's probably like the only Korean dramas that I watch because uh I don't know, like modern Korean dramas, sometimes I cringe because like the acting is over the top. The the story sometimes is just like a mess. Uh, I tend to watch Korean movies more than dramas. Uh, sorry, Korean drama podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit familiar with uh, the Joseon dynasty, but I did not know about the Catholic persecution that was happening in 1801. Um, I knew that uh, Korea was a hermit kingdom for a very long time. Um, that was like a whole deal with uh, China and Japan. They had Western uh, colonizers come. There was trade uh, tech technological uh advancements whereas like korea was like nope nope get out of our <laughs> get out of our peninsula and of course uh that did have a downfall of us being uh left kind of behind in the industrial revolution and eventually losing our monarchy uh, yeah I, yeah i i probably should have done my research but was joseon korea were, were they a vassal state of china at this point or were they their own independent kingdom um it it is the final dynasty, so I'm oh. guessing that it was uh, its own independent kingdom. Uh, we were allies with China okay. for a while, but that allyship was very much, uh, <laughs> <laughs> very much like we have to do what China says because they have all of the resources. Don't make the Chinese mad. That was pretty <laughs> much like the the whole deal. Um, and of course, like the rivalry with Japan that. That has always been there. That has not changed, even today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, the reason why I really like historical mysteries is because we don't have like the fancy forensic uh, like tools. Like they have to figure out this crime without fingerprints, without um, any sort of modern tool. They have to go with um, instinct and interrogation methods some of the interrogation methods are just horrible um yeah there are yeah. like we were said at the top there are some graphic scenes of torture um luckily june doesn't show us the most like violent ones just the aftermath but there are there is a couple scenes where 
Soul coming in and taking care of the handmaiden who's being um, interrogated after she's been tortured. And you see kind of like the, the psychological and physical after effects of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I think June did a pretty good job with um, all of the female characters in her books. They're all like different stations. You have maids, you have uh, noble women, you have Sol, who's a Tamil, and you have other Tamos who are, you know, a little bit higher on the hierarchy. And you kind of see how privilege and oppression is different for each of these women um, with like noble women they're not allowed to leave their house at all um but you know peasant women maids are allowed to roam free because no one really gives a shit about them (laughs) so that is like a sense of freedom that they do have but you know it's it's not like it's not that great and you have like noble women who you know they have access to education. They're able to uh, have all of these resources. They don't have to worry about uh, poverty. And uh, but at the same time, they're like looked down upon by like by like the men in their society, <laughs> and their their lives are pretty much ruled by like who they marry, uh, who's their father, who's their brother. Uh, that's just like the backbone of Confucianism when you're a girl. Like, when you are born, obey your father. When you are married, obey your husband. And when your husband dies, obey your son. So your entire life is just obeying your your male relatives. And yeah. And yeah. What, what's really interesting about uh, the setting, too, since it's set in like 1801 during like the Catholic persecution um june sets it in a time where king yongjo is dead so they're wait they're they're in mourning period and like the next ruler is the queen regent uh chongsun so it's like you have like a woman that is coming into power and then you have lady kangwonsuk who is like the leader of like this underground catholic troop so you have two very influential women who are going to um, who are pretty much like running the course of like political <laughs> drama in this in this book because like yeah. the whole thing is like the queen regent it, it like ev- everyone's saying like oh as soon as she's on the throne she's going to kill all of the catholics right and that's why like people are scared and people are getting murdered <laughs> and um yeah so it, it's really interesting that like it's set in a time where there are strong influential women in a confucian society where they're like women should not have power but they do yeah and and it's also really interesting that june i mean it's it's smart for june to to set it during the time period because it gives us like those conflicting ideologies right because <laughs> as someone who isn't christian or catholic historically speaking you know catholicism has always been in my mind a culture that does oppress i mean Catholicism is like the root of a lot of colonialism in the world, right? But to see it portrayed here as like the symbol for freedom for the gender norms was really interesting to me because like if you think about it, at its core, Christianity is about treating everyone fairly, right? Like it's just when it becomes used for political purposes that things get kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we don't have to go into the whole... (laughs) the the history of uh christendom and how much blood was spilt over it and how colonialization really like messed up a lot of countries because uh western countries are like hey this is this is the one religion you need to follow everybody else convert otherwise you die um but yeah that is like something that is that i found really interesting as well like catholicism being used as a way for people to better themselves especially women and uh, servants who are illiterate um lady kang uh is an actual historical figure in real life uh she was known to uh teach servants how to write in her own home and um and with like that was like the whole thing with catholicism and christianity you want to spread spread the gospel to as many people as you can and how are how are they going to learn it if they don't know how to read so there is like these advancements and also if you think about like 
um, like missionaries and how they're able to provide schooling and food for like the lower class. Like there is a benefit to it, but also religion is a political tool and um, it's just used as a way to um, justify, right? Political justify and control influence. So during this time in Korea, um, the northerners are like, the privilege they're they're closer to the capital um they are old traditionalists because you know they're pretty much like the top one percent they want to hold on to their wealth they want to hold on to their slaves whereas like the southerners who are uh from a fallen kingdom at this point because korea was divided into three kingdoms and it's it's a long history but anyway the southerners are kind of seen as uh as lesser than uh, the only jobs that they can have is butcherdom, and um, the only way they can really um, move up in the world is to pretty much like go with Catholicism because that is like the only way they can like learn how to read and write and uh, have influence in the world. So yeah, like you see a division in power certainly and uh with like the queen regent when she goes onto the throne what do you think she does with the uh southern factions in her in her court she gets rid of <laughs> she gets rid of all of them and ends up beheading 300 catholics in her yeah like she was not great with <laughs> <laughs> she she executed a lot of people <laughs> tolerance was not a big thing back in those days especially when it comes to religion and and i think this is why i like the fact that um soul as a character is someone who is able to see things objectively right like i think she what i loved about her character is she's constantly learning constantly curious but not really like she never buys into any one ideology right she all as someone who is oppressed by confucianism she already knows that like confucian um values suck um but the same as she also doesn't directly buy into the words of lady Kong because she can also see that like i don't know um and maybe this is me projecting onto her but there is still privilege in those interactions right lady Kong is still a noble woman she's still has she's able to be a catholic leader because of her status right if she was a commoner there's no way she would have been allowed to do the things that she does oh yeah she wouldn't have been able to um get like the books she wouldn't have been able to have a wide network um because like the whole thing is uh there is a catholic priest and uh they are trying to find him and he's he's like a priest from china so uh lady kong's troop are pretty much putting this priest in hiding and the queen regent and her supporters are trying to hunt this priest down so that is like another thread to the story because inspector han is also like a catholic hater and yeah. he's hunting for this priest as well i mean i think we can tear up that bandit right now and okay yeah uh, let's do yeah. it all right so um the sub like the the surface level plot of this book is there's been a murder where we need to solve it underneath that is this whole like especially for soul is she is at the police bureau she is in the capital city um to find her brother who left home 10 years ago and has cut off all contact and two-thirds through the book halfway through the book she realizes that her brother is in fact inspector han the detective that she's been assigned to and she has internal conflict because in her memory her brother is a gentle kind of like a softy and inspector han is like kind of a cold aloof detective with a lot of like seething burning hatred inside his heart and um reconciling those two images of her brother is kind of her central um conflict towards the end of the book but you know, her brother is on a mission to also hunt down this Catholic priest because he was the reason that their father was executed and their family. I guess their family used to be a like they used a, to be a noble, noble house. family, right? Yeah, they used yeah. to be a noble house. And uh, the father was caught um, distributing Catholic books. And um, after the father was executed, the entire family was banished to um this island for for prisoners and um 
Originally, they were supposed to be banished for 10 years, but then it got commuted to three years. And that's when um, Inspector Han, he he's like, I'm going to go back to the capital and seek revenge. Whereas like, you know, his sister and his sister's like, no, like we should just live in, you know, we, we should just live as servants and be hidden so that we are not in danger anymore. And that causes a big fight, and um, that's how the family gets splintered up. Yeah, wasn't it um, finding and killing the priest, like, their mother's last wish or something? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. like, the mother's last wish. Yeah. and then- so, there, so it's, like, a classic vengeance story, which is always great for <laughs> mystery novels, in, in my opinion. Also a classic Korean story, too, right? Revenge that's is... That's true. We have, a, we have a lot of revenge stories. <laughs> The thing is, like, in it's a trope in Korean stories, but yeah, like, if someone does wrong by your family, like, that hatred gets passed on through generations, and we're really notorious for holding on to grudges, like, forever. <laughs> Again, it's almost funny that, um, I wonder if it is an in-joke for June to have the brother change his name to Han. Because he becomes like the embodiment of that term. I know some people were upset by how Seol became a tamo in the first place. Because what happens is that the older sister, um, after their brother leaves and they're not getting any information or letters, uh, the older sister's like, okay, I need you to go to the capital to uh, find your brother. So she pretty much sells, not sells, but like she organizes a way for Seol to be enlisted as a Tamil. And um, Seol tries to run away at one point, and that's when she gets branded. And um, people were upset that her sister was using her as a way to, like, find her own redemption because the sister blames herself for driving her brother away. And I'm like, I, I mean, like, a part of me is just like, oh, this is a Korean family. Like, <laughs> like on top of, like, vengeance, we have a lot of guilt, too. So, yeah, like, yeah. it makes sense for family members to use their family members to get what they want. It's just, like, a typical thing, in my opinion, when it comes to Korean dramas. Uh, that is also, like, a Confucian thing, because in terms of age, yeah. uh, if you're the youngest, good luck, because you just have to do whatever your elders say so i wasn't like too uh, upset about that i mean it is upsetting but at the same time i'm like i'm not gonna yeah hate it because her sister used it it felt in character and it also made sense with historical yeah context. it sucks because it doesn't line up with our values and how we see the value of like individual choice but again this is this is a type of detective fiction that's more interested in exploring society through its characters than like you know pushing a pro like independent thinking agenda um like everyone in the story their actions are like dictated by society right um whether whether they know it or not yeah um there's a quote that uh young master che says that i think pretty much sums up the theme of this book and it's Evil comes from unfulfilled need for significance. <laughs> and you see that with almost every character. Their motivation to do the things that they want, it's, it stems from this need to like be validated and to be someone important, whether it's being important to society or being important to another person. Uh, with Seol, she wants to be someone useful and she wants to be someone who can be valued for her talents and her observation skills. And she sees that in Inspector Han. But a turning point for her is when she gets, um, I guess she's taken hostage by a bandit. And the bandit's like, hey, if you come any closer, I'm going to kill this girl. And Inspector Han's like, do it. She's just a Tamil. I don't care. And that's when she realizes that she isn't as valuable as she thought and that kind of causes a rift in uh in between her relationship with inspector han and herself yeah. uh and then you have like officer shim who you know is in a legitimate son and you know wants to go 
back into not back but like wants to be recognized uh as someone who is important despite his bastard status yeah. and, and I guess you know he should... got into the police bureau uh his like bastards aren't allowed to be policemen <laughs> but he got in because of inspector han so um yeah you see a lot of characters who are in positions where they want to better themselves or to be seen and uh, it causes a lot of problems and chaos because it is stemming from a very selfish need yeah and i guess we should we should also say oh, yeah mean, yeah we've let's already said just... spoilers but like um officer shim turns out to be the murderer and were you surprised by that i Kind I guess of? we can go into like the mystery part yeah, of it because I, was, I do feel like that was a little bit less fleshed out than like the I still think it was pretty well done. Like she June puts in a lot of misdirects, a lot of red herrings, and I was actually convinced that Han did it for a while. Yeah, yeah. For, <laughs> same here. I thought it was like Inspector Han for like uh for a while, because I was like, oh, is this one of those cases where like you, you have to choose between family or justice, right? Yeah, like, is family that the or main, justice. Main, yeah, is that like the um, main conflict? thing? Because it was like, oh, it's a noir. It's 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 a noir. So yeah, that's gonna that's like a major theme in a lot of books, right? So shades like, of gray, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I'm just like, oh, it's it's Inspector Han, but uh, turns out that I was wrong. So <laughs> I think that was like pretty well done. But for me, I had a little bit of a hard time following all of the the clues and like the investigation process. I don't know if it's because there were like so many characters and I was like, who is this person again? Like, what did they see? Like, what was the information that they gave Sol? And, you know, everybody lies, everybody hides stuff. So <laughs> I was like having a hard time keeping track of like who said what, uh, what each person knew and you know they're traveling too so i'm just like where are they going like what i I mean the clue that broke the case open was that like dragon horse ornament thing right oh yeah yeah you're right the dragon horse yeah and that was the one thing that i mean um june put that dragon horse ornament on on the mantle halfway through the book and then but then we don't get back to it till literally right before like soul figures it out so I mean, there were all these other revelations about uh, Inspector Han's identity as her brother, his grudge against Catholics, and like his his um, fake alibi. That like, if you like Soul, went down that rabbit hole and kind of forgot about this clue that was literally placed on the mantle halfway through that has never been resolved yet. Um, I mean, we are all Soul. We are all clowns following like a, oh, yeah, a rabbit yeah. hole, right? <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like a big revelation. So, of course, like we went down that rabbit hole. And also, like, if I think about it in hindsight, like this, like the the murder, the inciting murder that happens, you think that it's just like, oh, okay, she's not a virgin. She was seen with like a man and, you know, she left for a temple for like a couple months. So obviously she was pregnant. So you you have like all these clues and you're like, okay. This was done by a jealous lover. Or like it was honor killing, right? By the family. Or it's honor killing. And you keep going, you keep reading, and you're like, you get further and further away from like the main story of the murder because you're uncovering like more Catholic conspiracy, (laughs) I guess. I think it's, yeah, I think there's no like sitting everyone down in like the parlor room and saying, aha, I know who done it, right? Uh, it's more like everything towards the end was chaotic. Like she was like soul was making snap judgments, both based on her own intuition and also based on her needs for survival. Right. Like there's a point where she accuses her brother of being a murderer based on the evidence she had, but also based on self-preservation. Like she was cornered by, you know, Faboy detective officer Kyung, and she has to give him something to like, Get let him get off away. her back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, like, I think also <laughs> I just got lost because I didn't care about the mystery that much. <laughs> I was just like, I don't care who fucking killed this like noble woman, like Catholic lady. Like, she's not that interesting. I want to know about Inspector Han and <laughs> like him being her brother and like, how is that going to be reconciled? And, um, 
And for the longest time, I thought Inspector Han was the killer. So I was just like more invested in like that part of the story where it's like, okay, how is this relationship (laughs) going to unravel? Yeah. What did you think about the climax where it kind of became a action mystery movie where she gets thrown into that well? um, They bring her up and they go on like that hunt through the forest and there's a sword fight. Um, I thought that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it was it was fun to read, but at the same time, it was like, when did this become like an action action story? I actually really liked the third act where um, she follows the breadcrumbs. Uh, she goes to the village that the um, killer is from, and she's slowly piecing things together. And like that moment where like the killer is like right behind her, <laughs> and he's like, "What are you doing?" And she's like. Um, I'm nothing, nothing. And, and, you know, she's a terrible liar. So that kind of gets her fucked up. So well, yeah, I mean, this, uh, it's her, it's not the first time her curiosity has brought her someplace isolated and like with no support. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a combination of her curiosity and also her inability to just lie. Uh, and you know, she's still getting used. She's still sharpening her skills in people reading like oh is this person lying to me what are they hiding how do i extract this information and uh her missteps definitely lead her into very sticky situations (laughs) but i really like the part where she you know is confronted by the killer uh, officer shim and uh she is like in this life or death situation where she's like in a well and i'm like oh god this is like the worst fucking way to die. <laughs> um <laughs> and yeah, like I I feel like it really picked up the pace for the book and I needed that. Maybe I needed that a little bit sooner mm. cuz uh it got to a point where I'm just like, okay, like when when is the third act coming? Like when are things going to wrap up? So I really did like the third act and how like action packed it was <laughs> and also it's like very like historical korean drama-esque with the sword <laughs> fights and 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 i was just like yeah like if this was a movie it would look like a badass scene so, <laughs> so i didn't mind it that much some of our goodreads members were a little put off by the fact that inspector han suddenly dies at the end like what did you think about that i thought it was very in character <laughs> uh because he dies because of his obsession with finding the priest and he had been uh ignoring his health and he and you find out like during the story that he does have like health issues like he has like a fear of blood and there was a lot of blood in this book and um you know it's like a mental strain of him being a prime suspect and proving his innocence. And plus like, he's a workaholic he, too. Like he, yeah, he's sleep. He, like, he, he's a workaholic and he finds out that Sol is his little sister. So you have a lot of things happening that's adding on to his obsession with this case. So, so like it made sense to me that he would die. Well, then he gets stabbed and that wound gets infected. And this infected. is, you know, this is, this is pre like penicillin, right? Like there's, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you get an infected rune, you're, you're donezo. You're like, there's, I guess, I guess people were upset, not because of like the logical reasons of like, Oh, health problems and wound. I think they were upset because there was no closure, right? Between there was her. no closure with, uh, with him and Sol and him not admitting that he is her mm. brother. But I think it was very much in character because he, is like when you do revenge, you can't look back. You you have to you have to dig up three. Oh, uh, you have to dig two, two graves. graves. So <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, it makes sense that he would never um, admit that he's her brother straight on. I have heard that proverb before. Is that a Korean proverb, really, or is like? No, I think it's just a proverb <laughs> in general. In revenge um, fiction. In revenge fiction. It you know like I f- I feel like every culture there's there's a saying like that revenge won't bring happiness revenge will f- like once you complete it what are you going to do with your life you're going to feel empty, um, but I think there was also an aspect where Sol is not the little sister that he uh, remembers and he is also not the older brother that she remembers and uh, to him he's like I want to reserve this 
precious memory for her. Um, I don't want her to think of me as a brother because it means that, like, you know, I've turned into a bad person. And, <laughs> you know, there's, like, shame attached to it. And shame is, like, a big thing in Confucian society as well. So Also in Catholic yeah, society. And also in Catholic <laughs> society. So it to me, it was very much in character. And I thought it was a, an appropriate closure because he stood by his conviction. Yeah. Towards the very end. Yeah. And since we're talking about the ending, um, what are your thoughts about how the book um, wrapped things up? I mean, things are kind of open ended. The book ends with her getting a request to return to the capital and become a, a Tamo again. Um, I'm assuming this time as like a regular employee. I don't know how that works. I don't know if she still has to like, there's no indenture this time, right? So they don't own her. Yeah, but... they, they don't own her. Um, yeah, I don't. She's such an anomaly, so I don't know, like, how that works. Because, like, with palace nurses, like, anyone who works at the palace or, you know, got fired from the palace and are waiting to be, you know, um, put back in, they belong to the royal household. So they can't leave, like, at all without, like, I guess, a pardon of, of sorts. So, but she was able to go home. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Inspector Han did fulfill his promise to send her home. And then when she's home, she's like, man, shit's boring out here in the boonies. Right? Because oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like the whole thing is like, you know, what what is next for her? She's a girl. She has to get married. And that's like her best prospect. And it's not like that's not what she wants. Well, also... <sighs> Does she have those prospects because her face is scarred? Her face is scarred. She yeah. doesn't come from a good family, right? So, um, I mean, the book, her journey in the book is her trying to find her her own purpose, right? Find something that she's good at, that she wants to do. And she's proven to be a good detective. And so the best place for her to show off would be the police bureau. But at the same time, the only person who recognized those skills is gone. So, like, I mean, what if what if the sequel to this book is her being the Tamo for like Officer Kyung, right? Oh my god, fuck no! Like, it makes me wonder. I, I know a question that pops up a lot in in like the Goodreads forums, um, not just ours, but people asking if Sol was a boy, <laughs> would Officer Kyung treated him as like terribly? And I'm like. Probably not, but also he would probably be shitty because, uh, like, if Sol was a boy and there was, like, an equivalence to a guy, Tamo, I guess it would be, like, a junior officer. Yeah. But it's just, like, as as long as there's someone underneath Officer Kyun, he's going to exert dominance as much as possible. But I think a lot of resentment... Um, comes from the fact that Sol is a girl who can shoot an arrow and can solve <laughs> crime way better than him. So it's definitely, like, I don't think he would have been as resentful if Sol was a boy, but he definitely would have been shitty. Yeah, he's he's like a cop who just likes to bully people, right? Like, he's just there because he enjoys the power that it brings. Yeah, and he's there because, you know, it's a stepping stone to go on to better things but the problem is he's really incapable so he's unable to be promoted uh, which is also a resentment that he has against inspector han who is this young hotshot detective who is able to uh have all of this like all of this respect and yeah officer yeah. kyun what a character um, <laughs> i actually really liked him because he he was such a douche he was such he was a such a bad person that i actually liked him i mean there are there are a couple of douches like there was also a uh, young master Choi or chui uh che che <laughs> yeah i'm trying my best guys um who was sitting in on the autopsy trying to figure out if his like dead fiance was cheating on him because that would give him a reason to like regain his honor i guess yeah honor is also a Honor and shame are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Actually, we, we were talking about the ending earlier, but I think we, we should mention how, um, like, the fate of Officer Shim. Yeah. Because what happens is, like, his dad, Counselor 
whatever his name is. I don't remember. I think it was Counselor Che, right? Like, Oh, is it Counselor Che? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. All right. So the- Counselor Che finds out that Officer Shim is uh, his bastard son that he thought was dead because uh, he... He thought that his uh, former concubine had uh, committed, I guess, murder and then, you know, killed like herself. Yeah, yeah, murder-suicide. Uh, but it turns out that Officer Shim killed his mother and disguised it as a suicide and uh, disguised his death as well. So Counselor Che is like, hey, you should kill yourself. That is a... That is a dignified way to die, and you will have honor that way. And Officer Shim, like, there's a moment of hesitation where he's like, he's like, I want to live, but also I, like, would have to endure a lot of shame. I have to go through a trial, and I'll probably die in a really terrible manner. Or I could, like, die now by my own hand and still have a modicum of dignity. And so he tries to choose suicide and Inspector Han, who is, you know, Officer Shim's best buddy, they rose up together in the ranks and there's a lot of like brotherhood there. Inspector Han's like, fuck no, you're not going to kill yourself. You're going to go through this public trial and, you know, pay for all the things that you've done. You've killed so you can escape shame. And now you're just going to pay with shame. and. I don't know. Like, I, I thought that was, like, a very nice touch to to their relationship. I also see that as Counselor Che covering his own basis, right? Like, if his illegitimate son gets took into trial because he killed people to gain the favor of his father, Counselor Che also gets, like, his name dragged through the mud as well, right? And I don't know. I feel like Counselor Che was also at that point trying to manipulate him into doing something that was convenient for him. Yeah, yeah. Right. And of course, like it's him covering up his own guilt, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I abandoned my concubine and abandoned <laughs> my boy. And and again, I mean, the, the whole reason Officer Shin was trying to, you know, catch the Chinese missionary priest, um, what's his name? Zhou Wenmo. Uh, who was also a real-life uh, missionary. I think he's counted as one of the martyrs of the Korean Catholic Church. Officer Shim is trying to capture him to regain, because I guess um, Counselor Che has some connection to the Catholic Church. I forgot what it was. Was it Was it because, like, he... Like, he was formally engaged to someone who was Catholic? I, I really don't remember. This was, a, this was, like, another thing where <laughs> I was just like, Everybody has their own motives and agendas, and I cannot keep track of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely that was, it was a cool moment for Inspector Han, and not out of character. I think he is like, he is your typical like hero detective archetype, right? Like, there are no shortcuts to justice. Also, you tried to kill my sister. That's true. But even if he didn't, I, I feel like he would, he would have done the same thing. Yeah. Of- yeah, like you murdered people. You're you're going to jail, man. <laughs> um, we can move on to final thoughts. I really enjoyed this book. I really like. I was really engrossed in the story. I was. I read it pretty quickly. It, it went pretty fast for me, and um, I think that's that's a sign of a good book. And you know, for me, I personally do drift towards fiction like this, um, where things are a little bit more dark. Things are a little bit more like there is no clean resolution, right? I think. It's not like Sol became a hero and is lauded for her accomplishments. Like her ending is kind of, she's kind of, personally, she's in a better place of like knowing what she's good at. But like situationally, she isn't really that better off. Yeah, she's like not super better off, but also it's realistic because like what, what can you do? I I mean, she's not a slave anymore, I guess. So that's, that's a plus. And her nobility title isn't going to be. Restored, um, yeah. Restored, because she's not a guy and she can't be adopted into the family as an heir. Um, I really like this book as well. Um, I like. I was really excited to read this because, um, you know, a mystery set in the Chosun Dynasty. It just sounds so cool, and I just love the idea of of, of a Tamil being the main character of someone who is like so capable but being shat on the entire time (laughs) and just having to 
have to prove herself over and over again while dealing with a lot of like family drama. Um, it w- it was a lot, but I I liked it because it created more of a complicated story. There was like more layers to it, um, and I kind of wish I kept track of the mystery more because what because the thing is when it comes to mystery novels i like the part where i am solving the crime with the main character <laughs> but i got so tied up in Saul's uh crisis with what am i gonna do he's my secret brother and do i turn him <laughs> in and it's just like it was it was a lot and i um you know like if if I read this again, I would probably read it from the perspective of, okay, let's look at the red herrings. Let's figure out, like, where the th- breadcrumbs are leading. <laughs> I mean, I think you hit on the head earlier with this. This is a noir detective story, but also a Korean drama, right? Yeah. And you can't have Korean of, dramas without, like, that family melodrama and, like, yeah, yeah. Moments. And I kind of wish... it. it this book makes me wish I knew more about Korean history because it is a very um, interesting time. I'm really excited to read the rest of June Her's books. Her second book, The Forest of Stolen Girls, is also a historical, kind of like a missing persons case. And she has a third book called The Red Palace. And that also looks pretty great. Yeah, it so. looks like it's also historical. I mean, it's like Chosong Noor. That's yeah, the, on <laughs> that's the that's the genre that June her plays in, and I'm excited to check it out too. I think the way that she um, uses like historical events and historical settings to inform her mysteries is really well done. And yeah, you can tell that she's done her research. Um, I know that um, you know she is fluent in Korean, so she did a lot of research in Korean. And um, a long time ago, she had posted a tweet saying, you know, she was really scared when she um, came out with Silence of Bones because she was worried that people would think that she wasn't Korean enough (laughs) to write the book because she's Korean Canadian. And and, you know, she did all of this research, but it was just like, what if it's not enough? Like, what if... um, like my characters are too westernized or or whatnot and and that's like a worry that a lot of authors of color have right it's like oh is this authentic enough am i in a position where i can tell the story uh authentically as possible even though i'm like second generation third generation whatever and i remember i responded to her and i said i like your book is like a bridge to my roots because there's no way I would have known like like if I wanted to learn more about the Choson dynasty like in English like it would be it would be really hard mm-hmm. um my Korean's not good enough to like read historical text because it is very different from modern day uh Korean so it's like yeah like your books are a bridge to my culture my heritage um and you made it in like a fun package so it's not like a dry textbook and i think there is a place for this type of um writing in other asian cultures i think i would love to see more like historical noir especially that is like set in in like old asia times because we have a lot of old la noir and i feel like we should have our own stuff on the shelf too yeah mystery novels aren't new um detective fiction has been here forever but this type of detective fiction where it's more about the characters and their personal demons as as well as like the society that they live in i think it's a really effective way to explore historic themes and historic forces that we don't get taught in history books, right? Like the Joseon dynasty is not something that we learn in American history classrooms. Um, we don't even learn about the Korean War in his- <laughs> history classes. Like I swear, like we barely even touch Asia when it comes to it comes to like history lessons in in like American education education system. And when it comes to like studying Asian history in college as well, it's like mostly like from the point of colonization and it's like not 
Like, it doesn't go, like, to ancient times or anything like I that. I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we learn about things like, oh, what they wore, who was emperor, and what was the dynasty name. But we don't learn about things like, it's fun. I mean, we can go on, we can go on a big old tangent. So I'm just going to say, like, the way that we're taught world history in American classrooms is, like, so skewed on, like, the colonizer side. Like, we don't even question whether or not colonization was good or bad. It's something that happened and brought civilization to the West. And I love fiction like this that explores like the corruption that comes with colonization, imperialism, and even Confucianism, right? Confucianism isn't a virtuous thing neither. It's it also brought its own brand of oppression and corruption to to the East. Let me just say before Korea became a Confucian society, uh, women were allowed to own property. They were allowed to have jobs. They were allowed to divorce their husbands while keeping their belongings. So yeah, Confucianism really fucked things <laughs> up. Uh, uh, it's not something that like was that was initially there, but now it is so ingrained into our culture. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so many things, that, especially as Asian Americans that we can explore through works like Jane Hur's books. So um, that is a long winded way to say that we really enjoyed reading this and we're looking forward to where she explores next. I will say that if you enjoyed this book and you want to learn more about Tamos, um, there is a Korean drama called Tamil. It came out in 2003, and I know June Her watched it, and it led her down this rabbit hole of researching about Tamils. And um, I knew about Tamils like beforehand because I've watched like a couple episodes <laughs> from this drama. Uh, I had no idea Tamils existed before I had watched that drama. I had no idea that Tamils were the first female police force to ever have arresting power. They're like in history, by the way. So, um, yeah, this is we, we've mentioned him before, like a lot of like history that we've learned through the American education system. We don't get like the nitty gritty stuff. So like I would not have known about Tabo's without watching a Korean drama. And if I hadn't watched that Korean drama, I probably wouldn't have learned until I read June Her's book. Yeah. All right. Let us know what you thought about The Science of Bones by June Her on our Goodreads forum. We always love to hear uh, what our book club members think about our book club picks. Thank you to those who uh, commented in our Goodreads forums as well. Yeah. And with that, that'll do it for our discussion of The Science of Bones by June Her. Um, Reba, remind us again what we're reading for the month of June. We are reading Happy Endings by Tian Kim Lam. Yeah, uh, Rira has once again convinced me, or it's not convinced me, assigned a assigned. sexy book for me to read and comment on. Um, and we're also bringing on a couple friends. Um, I have a pop culture podcast called The Good Pop Culture Club that I do with my friends um, Han Win and Jess Ju, who are both avid romance book readers. So I will be thoroughly outnumbered at the end of this month. And yeah, come listen to us all get sent to horny jail from reading this book. It's going to be an NC-17 rated. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't know how sexy this book is. I have not read it. I usually pick books that I have not read. So I'm sorry <laughs> if there are trigger warnings or if I am pitching a book as something that it ends up not being. But, <laughs> but the main character is a Vietnamese-American woman who owns a sex toy shop. So I'm guessing that Off it will be steamier. Off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to reading that with you at the end of the month. And yeah, with that, that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thank you so much for joining us um, as we talked about Jane Hurst, The Science of Bones. Rira, once again, thank you for choosing such a wonderful book for us to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time on Books and Boba. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian-American-hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. 
Learn more about The Collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.